last number of weeks is we've been in this series. You saw in the representation of the candles called Advent. And it's looking at different parts of, uh, of what it means for Jesus to come to earth and the significance of that. And so we've been basing all of this on Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. And what we're going to be looking at tonight is unpacking what this word Emmanuel, which means God with us, what is the significance of the idea that God is actually with us? He's no longer just up in heaven. He actually came to earth and now dwells here uh, by his spirit. So to explain the significance of God being with us, I'd like to use these chairs to explain three ways that we can have a relationship with God. So if you can imagine for a moment that uh, God is in this chair, all right? In this chair, it represents us. Now, there's three ways that we can relate to God. The first way we can describe as being rebellious. We're just faced the other way. We don't call ourselves rebellious. We just say that we're... Uh, we're experiencing freedom, and we're being independent, doing what we want, setting our own agenda, fulfilling our, our what we believe is our destiny, or however we describe these things. But we're basically saying, I don't see any need to have a relationship with God. I'm simply interested in doing my own thing. Now, what's interesting about this orientation toward God is if you look this way long enough, you'll think that he doesn't exist. If you keep staring this way, yeah, I don't see God anywhere. And so we reach the conclusion that he doesn't exist, and so I need to just live life on my own, doing what I want. So this could be described as a rebellious relationship with God, not wanting to follow him or be in relationship to him. Now there's another way to relate to God, and perhaps many of us uh, think is the only other way to relate to God, and that's to be religious. And the idea is, is that there's a separation between us and God. And the way that we close this gap is through being good and being responsible. So we say we want to have a relationship with God, but He has standards. And when we think of this idea of holiness, which we're going to be unpacking in the next few weeks, we think that He's holy, He's removed, and so somehow we have to be good enough in order to enjoy a relationship with Him. And we don't describe ourselves as being religious any more than rebellious people want to describe themselves that way. So rebellion might be called freedom. We would call this being responsible. And maybe we, uh, we make up a Bible verse that says, The good Lord helps those who help themselves. And we, uh, we think that we need to somehow do certain things in order to experience God or nirvana or utopia or whatever we imagine uh, a fulfilling life being about, we think that it's all about our performance. Now, there's a third way to relate to God, which is what we found in Isaiah 7.14. And it's simply, actually, it's better to do it this way. It's God with us. So God then comes into our world, and we now have a relationship with Him. We're no longer trying to get to Him. We're no longer trying to ignore Him. We actually have a relationship with him. God actually came to earth and initiated a personal relationship with each one of us. Now this sets Jesus Christ apart from every other God. Every other religion in the world is somehow setting up a program 
for us a religious program for us to somehow discover uh, how to have a relationship with God. We see the opposite occur in Christianity, where Jesus comes and is Emmanuel, God with us, entering our world, living in our lives. Um, so, here's the question that we want to be able to ask tonight. Why isn't a relationship with the living God more attractive? Why is it that it's often more tempting to live pointing away from God or trying to discover God? Why wouldn't everybody just want this? We could actually have a relationship with God right now. Did you know that most of our problems are because we don't believe that God's with us? That somehow we need to get our finances right, we need to experience emotional health, we need to have all of our relationships functioning properly, we need to exercise, whatever it is we're going to do on January 1st, and then after that time, we'll be able to experience the peace and joy that Christ promises. Well, I think there is a, uh, there's one thing that underlies our reluctance to want to have a living relationship with God. Is that we have to surrender control. In this scenario, God is in the driver's seat. In the rebellious scenario, I just live the way that I want. Even in the religious orientation, I'm the one in control of the relationship. It's all about my performance. But here we have God being in control. It's interesting when you look at the Bible to see those who didn't want to have a relationship with God. The first were the religious leaders, the priests. Otherwise known as me, I suppose. But uh, in Matthew 15.10, it says this, The chief priest handed him over to uh, Pontius Pilate because of envy. They didn't want to have a relationship with God that they couldn't control. They were able to control their relationship with God through their good behavior, through the respect they would have in the marketplace. But this meant that they had to surrender control. And they were envious of Jesus' power and didn't want a relationship with him because of it. Another group of people that really found it difficult to enjoy Emmanuel, God with us, was the wealthy. Listen to what's said of one young man who had lots of wealth. This is what Jesus said to him in Luke 18. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When this rich young ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He didn't want to give up the power of his money. It was too risky. It was too risky to live a life trusting in Jesus for his provision. He preferred to take matters into his own hands and rely on his money to give him safety. A third and final group of people that struggled with surrendering control was the rebellious. In Mark 15, Jesus is described when he hung on the cross. It says, they crucified true rebels with him. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. They didn't even want, they didn't want to surrender their control any more than anyone else wanted to. So, why would we want to surrender control? Why would we risk 
trusting in God over trusting in ourselves, living life on our own terms. Well, the first reason would be that we bump up against something that we can't control. Whether it's a, uh, whether it's a physical sickness or some life circumstance, reality has a way of hitting us and reminding us of our human frailty. And so many of us are here today as Christians because we realize that there were limitations on what we could control, particularly life after death. And so we might come to Jesus, surrender our control, because we admit that there are some things that are just beyond our capacity to manage. But we stay with God for, I think, a very different reason. We stay because of love. When our needs get met, we can climb out of this relationship and just go back to living life on our own. But when we realize that our deepest need is to have a love relationship with God, then everything changes. A few weeks ago, I think it was our first Advent, had Assad and his family light the candle of joy. And his testimony, I found to be so powerful. He says, I grew up as a Muslim, then I became an atheist, and then I became a Christian. And when I was a Muslim, and when I was an atheist, I never experienced peace and joy. It was only in Jesus Christ that I experienced the salvation that can only be found in His name. There's something very remarkable about being able to live in such a way where you stop striving and you simply get to rest in the love of God. Now, for some of us, this could be incredibly disconcerting. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've, I've designed my whole life to accomplish things, to do things that really matter, to have significance, to make a name for myself. And Jesus comes, and he says, I've taken care of all of that. There's nothing more that you need to add. What if what Jesus is inviting us into in this Christmas season is to give up our rebellion, to give up our religious ambitions, and to simply rest in his love. What if all that we've ever longed for has come to us and Jesus has met our deepest needs, particularly to have a living relationship with him? What would we left to do? Well, in this scenario, the only thing left to do is to love others. There's nothing more that needs to be accomplished. We can now spend the rest of our life loving others the way that we have been loved. And it dramatically changes our life purpose. In Revelation 3, it's a very sobering verse, in verse 17 and then verse 20, it says this, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This is a uh, this is a way to describe God being with us. He wants dinner with us. Now, what I find uh, when I, I thought about this and, and read this verse, I'm reminded of my mother's cooking. I have a wonderful mother. She passed away during COVID. She was uh, just a wonderful person, the most kind and generous. She was amazing. But uh, 
Truth be told, she was a horrible cook. <laughs> you know, when you, we didn't go out much, we couldn't afford to go out, and so we ate at home all the time, and I thought this was just great food. And then I moved to Vancouver, and I discovered this thing called flavor. <laughs> and it was the most remarkable experience I'd ever had. And there was food that had all kinds of different flavors. And it wasn't just hamburger every night, or as you heard me say, bologna. There was this whole other palette that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Well, what if God's invitation to have a meal with us is so far beyond what we could imagine it stops being attractive? How could what I have now ever not be good? But it's only when you taste of the love of God, when you fellowship with Him, enjoy what He longs to give us, that the things that rebellion promises or religion promises just pale in light of the beauty and glory of God. There's a quote, and we've said it a few times in this church over the years, and it's by C.S. Lewis. And this is what it says. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. How can you describe to someone what it means to give up having to strive, to give up having to be self-defined, and to experience the eternal love of God? How do you explain these things in human terms? They can only be experienced. And the way that they become experienced is by surrendering control and letting Him be our life leader and being in charge of taking us where He wants to take us. So what's being offered to us now in this Christmas season is simply an invitation. An invitation to surrender control and to need a relationship with the source of love. In this season, there can be all kinds of things that busy our minds. But I pray that we'd be able to take the time to rest and remember that God is with us. And all that our hearts have ever longed for is found in a personal relationship with Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that our striving is over. I thank You that there is no need to rebel against You. I thank You that You are the source of love. And so I ask that You would give us the courage, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time, but to surrender our control and to let You be our life leader and to experience what it means to have a love relationship with You. Thank You for initiating a relationship, for initiating an eternal banquet with us, and for coming into our world that we might experience yours. So we celebrate your coming to earth, and with great gratitude, receive what that means. In Jesus' name, amen.